0: welcome to the me plus motherhood podcast i'm your host benita bench a coach for mothers author speaker and mum of four boys me plus motherhood is for all mothers who want to reclaim me in motherhood if you are ready to return to and love the new you find your spark again gain clarity and confidence Improve your mindset and give yourself permission for health and happiness, you're in the right place.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Me Plus Motherhood. I'm your host, Benita Bench, and I'm joined today by the delightful Maddie Bento. I'm going to let Maddie introduce herself in a moment. So I won't spoil that, only to say that she is an incredible woman. And today, our conversation is going to cover a range of things, including mental health, body positivity, and our relationship with food, our body, and ourselves. It's a really meaty conversation and potentially more than we can cover in one podcast, but we're going to give it a go. Um, So let's just dive straight in, Maddie. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Uh, Maddie. tell us a bit about you and your family and life and the work that you do and also importantly, why you do it. Yeah, I'd love
2: to. So I think that um, before I go into my work, I um, I'm a mum of two, so I've got a five year old little boy and a two year old little girl, and they are tenacious and challenge me, and have been my best learning curve. I think in not only myself as a person, but also professionally. And what I do for work is I'm a nutritionist and body image coach, and so I specialize in the realm of intuitive eating, relationships with body and uh, body and food, but then also body image and um, yeah, body acceptance. And I do this because I I myself, but also saw so many incredible women like I mean just had empathy and skills and talent and passion and all of these wonderful things that we need in our world oozing out of them but were their light was just dimmed by the fact that they were dieting And by the fact that they were trying so hard to do everything perfectly in terms of food and body, that they weren't able to show up as their fullest self. And I also use myself as an example in that of once I let go of dieting, there was lots of other wonderful things that showed up in my life. I'm not saying that it was easy, but my why is... Seeing incredible women, and I specialize in women's health and particularly I do a lot of work with hormonal health as well. Um, and that's, you know, from teenagers all the way through to postmenopausal women, um, yeah, able to show up more fully in life by having energy and enjoying life and enjoying food and feeling great in their bodies.
1: What an amazing gift you are to women um, to offer your services around this. I feel like it is so huge um, how much we fight against ourselves and how much we how much energy we put into chasing things that we want and not accepting where we're at at the same time. And um, yeah, such an interesting conversation, Maddie. Thank you for your vulnerability as well. You said to me that you were an exhausted, sorry about all the cars driving past. All of a sudden there's like the whole street is in motion. (laughs) Um, You said you're an exhausted mum who's trying so hard to eat perfectly, which caused your mental health to suffer. And you said you had a poor relationship with your body health and food and start until you started working on these relationships. I'm going to hazard a guess that most people don't, aren't even aware that they have a relationship with these things. Um, How, how, or, or don't, sorry, they don't think of it that way. Me included until I started to really look at this stuff a little bit more a few years ago. So how did you work on your relationships with your body health and food and how did it improve your mental health
2: well um I'm probably going to say the answer that's not going to be in like, you know the um bit disheartening to begin with in that it kind of I had a bit of a crisis point of feeling really rubbish I I'd kind of, um, I'd been practising as a nutritionist um, and had been seeing all of these wonderful women, also myself struggling with my body image, struggling with food, and then this awful guilt and shame around what I was eating. And it was during COVID, funnily enough, and I started listening to an audio book about intuitive eating and I just, I felt really seen. I felt really, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one that worries about these sorts of things. I'm not the only one that is thinking, oh, is someone going to be is someone not going to want to come and see me because of how I look or maybe I'm not trying hard enough to eat everything that I should be or is this food the best thing for my body and then all of a sudden that night going and binging on a packet of Tim Tams or two. And so it was a bit of a breakdown in the sense that I think that things had to get so bad before I had this moment of like, oh, okay, okay, maybe, maybe the problem isn't, oh, I need to lose weight and all of these other problems will magically disappear. Maybe it's the fact that I'm so focused on losing weight or my health or fixing things with my diet quote-unquote, fixing things with my diet. So I started really slowly um, and it, it's actually probably more of the awareness having that, oh, okay, when I wake up in the morning, how do I feel about my body? When I'm eating, what stops me from you know, what provokes me to eat and then what stops me from eating certain things or is it because I'm worried about how I look, is it because I'm actually listening to my body and how full I am, how do I feel during the day, am I hungry a lot of the time? Um, One of my big turning points was really realising that I would feel like I had to do all of my jobs before I sat down and ate, um, and I think that that's a common thing with mums as well, um because you and I also totally get that there is an aspect of I want to eat my lunch in peace <laughs> mm. or I want to
1: feel settled when I sit down to to eat. I want to feel yeah. like I've already done the the stuff,
2: yeah, and yeah. I want to actually enjoy it. And I think, yeah, they've offered um, that like loop of oh, no, I just need to get X, Y, Z done or I just need to put baby down to sleep before I eat lunch. And by that point, I would be starving, like I would be. So it was that awareness, I think, that um, really came in. Um, but also it it was like a I. I feel there's part of me that's like faltering as to how much I, but it was a real rock bottom moment for me in that, particularly being a nutritionist, I was like my whole world that I've studied and learned about and spent my whole life up until that point trying to be Maddie, the healthy nutritionist who, you know, looked a certain way. I felt like I was really there was lots of shattering of beliefs, and that was really hard.
3: Mm.
2: Um, However, in shattering those beliefs, it did mean that there was a lot more freedom and lots more space for growth and for wonderful things to come through.
3: Maddie, did your body image change? was there a difference in the
1: way you perceived your body image before children and after having your
2: two children? Yes. And I think this is a really interesting thing because I actually, I don't think I've um, ever spoken about this on a podcast before, but I think that I had, I'd always struggled with my body image. And I guess I'd also kind of like to put, out there that I can't think of a time when I didn't struggle with my body image but I also can't think of a reason why I think Mm. that I probably fall into a category of um I I'm very lucky and very grateful that I didn't have um I you know and this is probably going on my clinical experience that I didn't my mum wasn't fixated on being a certain weight. My mum didn't diet. My mum didn't have that influence on me of the fact that I needed to look a certain way. so i did I don't have a reason as to why I felt like that about my body. Um, but I think that when, firstly, my first, Pregnancy was very much a surprise, um, and there was lots of guilt that came up when I had my first pregnancy because I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes, and there was lots of icky feelings around the fact that you know I'm a nutritionist, I shouldn't like mm. I I can't get diabetes, like I I had this whole very like complex set of emotions around the fact that I you know this wasn't fair like I shouldn't be getting this and which is also want to put out there that's definitely not how gestational diabetes works it can it's not discriminatory in um who gets it but I also very much blamed myself I very much coming from a nutrition background I just finished my degree and I was like well you know if I was healthier before falling pregnant then I I wouldn't have had this you know if I was and when I say if I was healthier what I my thought process actually was if I was thinner this Mm. wouldn't be happening to me and so there was lots of blame and having gestational diabetes, I was really regimented with what I ate. I was really structured, really um, disciplined is not the right word, but I I had a really disordered eating pattern whilst I was pregnant because I was so fixated on not letting my food be the reason why I had this. Mm. Um, And then post baby, I think I knew that I was going to start practising and I had this really solid belief that my body was my business card and that no one would come and see me if I was and I have had this belief in me and I've written a blog on it about being a fat nutritionist. I had this, you know, why would someone take advice from me? if i was fat
3: and i really
2: struggled because i i did lots of things in terms of food where if i had a client come to me and say that they were going a day without eating and or that they were living on black coffee or they were Hiding food or lying to people about when they were eating, I would be flagging it and saying, Hey, I think we need to talk to someone about this. This doesn't seem like a healthy relationship. But I was doing all of those things because I was so fixated on the fact that I think there was also that pressure there to bounce back, quote unquote. Like, I. Yeah, I was really worried that um, that people wouldn't come and see me, and people wouldn't value me as a practitioner if I didn't, you know, have this post-baby bounce back. Um, yeah, I, th- I hope that answers your mm. question. And in- thank you for so bravely sharing, Maddie.
1: And ha- do you feel like you've that you've overcome that fear or shifted
3: that belief now? I think I have and this um, I
2: am embarrassed to admit that once I had my daughter I really shifted the way that I thought about things because and I my daughter was like she she was a tiny little person when she was brought into this world and I remember having this moment thinking, oh my God, have I not eaten enough? And have I have I like have I done something to hurt my baby? And it was in that moment of birthing her to the world and thinking, I don't want her to ever feel like her weight is her value. And I I am embarrassed because that is so gendered in that i didn't feel that way when my son was born but i just thought we can't, my i i never want my little girl to not show up as her bold beautiful self and to be worried about who she is because of her body
3: and that was
2: probably my turning point. So there's, yeah, three years difference between my kids. So it took a really long time to have that kind of shift in mindset.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: there's times that I still struggle with it and there's, I'm definitely not perfect in in that aspect, but the difference is that I'm more aware of it. And I'm more aware of my my inner language, but also my language that I use around my kids and around other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Maddie, if it's okay to talk a little bit more the, about the guilt and the shame that you mentioned, um, did that come from largely come from a feeling of? Uh, uh, I know you or you mentioned. The feeling that I should be good at this, or I should have this nailed, because this is what I teach, this is what I help people with. Was there also um, is there also guilt and shame within you, and 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 in what you see in the the women you work with around emotional eating, and where does that come from, like? what I'm trying to get at in this question is where does the guilt and the shame come from?
3: I, I, oh, this is such a good question
2: because I think that this is also like in my own reflection, but also in what I've seen in other people. We, we like demonize emotional eating and that it's such this bad thing and it's just a coping tool. Like Mm. it is, It is a coping tool for all of the with negative emotions Mm -hmm. because we have been told, and I think that this is where the guilt and shame comes from for many of us, is we've been told that we need to be shameful because we're too emotional. We have been told that to be guilty if we show anger and that anger is not a feminine it's, you know, it's not very feminine to be angry. Like, and these, so whenever we have uncomfortable feelings come up, and, you know, we could even do a bit of it, you could dive deeper into that concept of, you know, when we're told as kids that if we have emotions to like hold it together and just be a good girl or, and so we haven't learnt how to deal with complex emotions or even to experience emotions that we don't know why we're having.
1: Or, or one I've I've been told many times, you're too sensitive. Yes. You're too sensitive. <laughs> um, so that instilled a belief that I was overreacting. When in fact, I was simply feeling my emotions and the people who were telling me that um, made them uncomfortable.
2: Exactly. And I think that there is, is that's exactly right. We as a society are so uncomfortable with emotions and with talking about hard things, because, which is why we don't talk about a myriad of things that are hard, but happen all the time, particularly with mums. Miscarriage. We know that one in three are going to experience miscarriage, but we're not comfortable talking about it. Mm. And there is so much guilt and shame around those emotions. And then added on that, particularly if you, if we glamorize um, disordered eating or overexercising or so other signs of orthorexia, which is basically being obsessed with being healthy um as a great way to deal with things and we then so we glamorize basically if you are restricting and you know over exercising as being worthy a worthy way of coping with your emotions and it's not it's just it's just another coping mechanism you're actually not working through and dealing mm. with your emotions and I definitely don't want to sound like I'm um, making an emotional eating to be a bad thing either but it's also a way that we don't cope with our emotions and it's also a way that we don't deal with stuff like it, it like many things in our world it's just accessible it's and it's easy like it's easy to access it's like
1: scrolling or yeah for well for me Maddie I mean to be vulnerable as well i emotional leading quote unquote probably had never been a thing for me until 2 years ago and when i was going through some hard stuff and was exhibiting a lot of escapism behaviours, scrolling, drinking, alcohol, I mean, um, and eating at five o'clock in the afternoon, like grabbing a big packet of chips out of the cupboard and telling myself I'd have a small amount and then devouring the whole packet. Um, and I felt enormous guilt and shame. Again, All the all the rhetoric in my mind, this is... This is not what you should be doing. You know this is wrong. You shouldn't be eating this. What's wrong with you? Why can't you stop yourself, et cetera? And at the time I didn't understand it until I, over time, unpacked it all and realised um, it was actually me trying to escape my feelings. I was I was I was wanting to, I wasn't handling my feelings. I didn't understand my feelings. I wasn't even aware of them um, and I was trying to make them go away and so the anxiety or the str- and the stress that i wasn't coping with um i wanted i was just using food as a tool to to numb it um it didn't work didn't work it felt good for the for while i was doing it um but then you go into that guilt anger guilt shame cycle which is so unhelpful um and and then of course then you become fixated on losing weight i need to lose weight i need to lose weight um oh gosh there's so much in this isn't there there's
2: so much psychology in it definitely and I even I want to touch on this as well because often I have women talk to me about emotional eating and it's interesting in that and I know like I am guilty of this as well um I shouldn't have phrased it like that (laughs) in this conversation but (laughs) we know what you mean yeah um that you're right there's this whole shame cycle and I would also really recommend anyone to start having this awareness of when they start on that shame shame spiraling of like oh, my God, like I shouldn't be, you know, eating this bag of chips. This is so unhealthy. I can't believe I'm doing this. Why can't I control myself? And there's often Mm. that thing that comes up, particularly for women, of I should have more willpower. Yes. And I have, like, particularly mums out there, I have not met a group of people that are stronger than mums in that they are so strong and so resilient and yet we often think that we're not because our strengths are, are often seen as different to our typical masculine strengths anyway that's a that is a different podcast for the day but often i have women come in and they say oh i really struggle with emotionally eating and then we start unpacking it we're like okay well what's going on when do you find that you are triggered most at nighttime. okay is it every night that you find that yeah I often find that I sit down and I have a cup of tea and it's like my first moment to be alone for the day and I find that one Tim Tam all of a sudden turns into the packet or I make my way through a tub of ice cream or um and I'm like okay well is it happening most nights? Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, what did you eat during the day? And then they start telling me what they've eaten during the day. And I'm like, you're not emotionally eating. You're hungry. You haven't eaten enough during the day. Like what you've just told me that during during your day you've barely eaten anything and you've been experiencing these waves of stress because let's face it getting kids ready for school isn't the best experience (laughs) in the world that you've been experiencing all these waves and you've just you've been running on adrenaline all day long and then you finally get to the moment where you can listen to your body and you're sat down And you can either deal with what's going on, but also you have a moment of peace where you can listen to what's going in your body and your hunger and fullness cues. That you're like, your body's screaming at you saying, hey babe, you haven't eaten enough today. Mm. And so it's not, there is an aspect of emotions in there because there may be stuff that you haven't dealt with during the day. But there's also a huge aspect of, your body's just hungry. Mm. And sorry for my, me getting my little rant on, but yeah, I just, not eating enough during the day is so common because we've been trained for so many years that we should only be eating a small amount or we should be eating less than this person or whatever. Mm. And we don't often we don't often remember to check in with ourselves until the end of the day when we're finally stopped.
1: Such a good point. Such a good point. And also, I guess to say that for anyone listening, if if you can see yourself in what we're discussing, that there we are also not wanting to bring up shameful feelings around anyone's behaviour, that I think the lesson here is is awareness and understanding and finding support with someone like yourself, Maddie, that can help you to understand your relationship with your body, with your health, with food, so that we don't self-diagnose or, or label what we're doing and that there's always a deeper layer to, to our behaviour. So what's yeah. driving the behaviour? What actually is it? There's there's things underneath that are, and whether that is an emotional thing or, as you say, maybe it's actually a nutritional thing. Um, yeah. Maybe me eating that bag of chips at 5 o'clock wouldn't happen if I'd had a lunch that was more suited to my body and my, my energy and nutritionally fulfilling. Um, and also, you know, talking about willpower, our willpower flags naturally as the day goes on, as as we get more fatigued and as we get more um, set decision fatigue sets in. So um, there's there's so much to this conversation, so much more to this conversation. If if you're listening and thinking, oh my gosh, some of these things I do, there's no there's no shame or judgment here. Only to only to increase awareness and understanding. And-
2: and sorry, just go, on that. No go Maddie, you're right. Um, decision fatigue is another big reason why mm. I often see women not nourishing themselves because and the amount of times I've had mums come in and say, I pack my kids lunch. I don't know why I don't just pack one for myself. And I've, I don't do it and it's because of that decision fatigue. It's because you're so tapped out that you're like, I just, I don't want to have to do this. Yes. Or I can't
1: decide
2: or I don't, I just don't want to make it or whatever. Exactly. Or that's it. It's the time or the energy of making it. And you're like, I just, because let's face it, smashing, you know, some chocolate out of the packet is much easier than making a wrap or even if it was just a peanut butter wrap or a ham and cheese wrap, there's so many extra steps in there compared to just eating some chocolate. Yeah. Cause at that point you're
1: sort of like, oh, I just don't really care anymore. Yeah, I wanna, exactly. I just, just want to eat something. Yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's so eliminating and my last podcast episode was on decision fatigue. If anyone wants to go back and listen to it. Um so alleviating that means making advanced decisions like packing your lunch in the morning or like having your snacks or dinner pre-ordered or whatever, whatever works for you so that, um, so that you are nourishing yourself well. And actually Maddie, gosh, we're going off on lots of topics in tangents here, aren't we? Um, Last week we (laughs) held our retreat at the Sunshine Coast and one of the topics was around nourishment and, Um, We had a lady speaking to us about nourishing your body and she was talking about non-negotiables. Like as the mum, it has to be non-negotiable that you look after your own body as well as everyone else around you and that you chew your food properly and that you make time to sit at the table and all of those those things. So again, coming back to this decision-making, like actually deciding that I'm a priority too and my nutrition is a priority um and again there's so much beneath all of this in terms of beliefs and
2: thoughts feelings and actions definitely and i think as well we make it out to be much harder than it needs to be mm. like and that is also not I'm going to make a blanket. That's not our fault, and anything that we should feel guilty about, because we have been told from a very young age that it needed that to be healthy. We, you know, it needed to be ten almonds, or it needed to be, it needed to be healthy, and that in of of itself is an overwhelming topic of what does healthy be defined as. Um, one of my big tips would be having um, easy, packeted food in your house that you are also happy to eat. Um, I I have just started um, incorporating up and goes, the protein up and goes into my day because I wasn't eating enough and it I knew that it would be something that I'd have. And it was easy. I just—it's cold. Um, It's—I just get it out of the fridge, and it's so easy. Yeah. Is it the best option on the shelf? Maybe, maybe not. I haven't looked because the thing what I need from that is regularity of eating and nourishment of extra protein in my in my day. That that's what it's fulfilling.
1: Let's tap more into this, Maddie. Um, uh, Your view on dieting, your view on eating well for mums
3: when life already feels very full. Yeah, so
2: I think that this is, um, I think simplistically, I think my view on dieting is that it's rubbish and it's, It's just our bodies aren't made to diet. We so 70% of our weight is determined by genetics. And so that isn't supposed to sound defeatist in that we can just, you know, our bodies are just, we can do whatever. But dieting in the way that we have been taught is just not, beneficial to anyone because when we're hungry and it means that we can't show up and do the things that we need to do when we're constantly hungry. Because I I don't know if anyone else has been there, but I'm sure they have, where you've needed to be to be focused on a task and you're so hungry that you're like, oh like like I've just eaten or I, you know I've already eaten my lunch or I've maxed out of my calories for the day or whatever it may be. But dieting as in the pursuit to lose weight, we it's actually one of the biggest risk factors for weight gain. Yeah, so to pre- – and again, that sounds – if you haven't been exposed to this information before, it can feel really deflating to be like, oh, well, what's the point? Mm
3: -hmm. And,
2: And it is disheartening, but there's also an element of freedom in that, that you can regain. You don't have to have a piece of paper to tell you what to eat. And it's interesting because I've often gone back and forth and I even found when I was first exposed to intuitive eating, which is there's 10 principles around intuitive eating, which are beautiful and such a great way to start having a positive relationship with body and food. But I remember looking at them when I had a very little person and being like, this sounds exhausting. I I don't want to do all this thinking. I don't want to like, I'm tapped out. I don't want Mm. to be checking in with myself before every single meal. And there was this real like resentment and anger towards towards it and being like, well, no, dieting's easier. I can definitely just keep dieting. And that's where I think lots of mums in particular can feel upset when this is challenged because you're right dieting in lots of ways can be easier because you just follow what's on the list you don't have to decide what's for dinner often people are more prepared because they might do a meal prep on Sunday they're um they feel better in themselves because they're like well I'm so much more organized when I'm dieting But the thing is, I'm I'm not asking anyone to give that up and particularly without support. But if we used those principles of being organised with our food, making sure that we ate at certain times, making sure that we ate regularly, but then added the freedom of having access to different foods that may not be deemed as healthy, you're going to have a much better time and be able to focus much better on things that actually need your brain energy. Because I I don't know about you, Benita, but I have definitely found the exhaustion of dieting and trying to decide what to eat before. Um,
1: yeah. Mm, it's an interesting one. Uh, it's interesting. I've, I've tried to handful of different things like you know purely following the diet plan, trying intuitive eating, um, and everything in between. And what I find interesting, Maddie, is the feeling of, or what I notice about myself is is the difference in the feeling of control. And sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't, depending on where I'm at. You know, like with a diet, I feel like I'm in control and it's all sorted. Whereas intuitive eating feels more um, risky or something. But at the same time, intuitive eating helps
2: you to connect to your body. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, And it is, it does feel risky and it feels uncomfortable Mm. because, and I think this is probably where, I also recommend definitely getting support if this this is something that you struggle with because I know like this is embarrassing to admit, but I'm going to do it, be vulnerable. When I first started intuitive eating, there is a like no food rules. So I was eating, I, I love sweet things, so I was eating cakes and biscuits all the time. And yes, that was fun and I enjoyed it, but there was an an element of, oh, this actually isn't sustaining me anymore. And I knew as well, like if I was getting ready to go into work or to go into clinic and seeing people, I was not starting my day with cupcakes. So then why on days when I didn't have work, Uh, or I didn't have things that I desperately needed to do, why was I starting my day on cupcakes and feeling really rubbish about it? Or so there's there's this freedom and it can feel really freeing, but also really uncomfortable and scary. It's why when, you know, that um, I remember reading in a parenting blog at one point about how like not overwhelming kids by saying we can do whatever you want today and instead you only give them like a few options Mm. to try and help them because otherwise it's too overwhelming it's the same with adults (laughs) like you if you say to someone you can have any food that you want often my biggest um I guess where people challenge me on it they're like but I would just eat ice cream all day I'm like yeah there will be a stage that you go through where you will probably just eat ice cream all the time but there's also an element of where you realize that maybe that doesn't fill you up enough maybe you don't feel your best when you're eating ice cream all the time it's not convenient because you can't take ice cream with you (laughs) everywhere there's like All these extra elements in it, which, as I said before, is hard for mums because you're right, there is a certain amount of control. There's also knowing um, that there's a certain amount of privilege in intuitive eating in that having unlimited access to food. You know, if you're on a budget and you only have allowed Yourself to have a certain amount of leftovers, or you need to make a meal stretch to so many people, then they're me sitting here saying, "Oh, you know, you can have some more." If your budget hasn't allowed for that, that can be challenging. Mm -hmm.
1: So to to round out this chat on relationship with our, we'll come to body positivity. Next. But just to finish up this conversation on health, dieting, eating, what would your main takeaway message be? Maddie, I feel like we've touched on lots of different things, emotions and intuitive eating, dieting, mental health. What would you kind of, how would you sum up all of what we've
2: discussed and what would you recommend for people? I think my recommendation, well, actually my first thing that I'd like people to leave with is that your weight is not your worth and Mm, there are so many incredible things about you that aren't
3: about your weight. And your kids' best asset about you is not going to be your weight.
2: And I think the, I guess the other aspect that I'd like to leave people with is, I guess, that there's another alternative. You don't have to be dieting. If you're at the point where, and I am very much an advocate of, although I don't believe that dieting is the best thing for long-term health, for new, numerous like um, science-backed reasons, I'm also aware of the fact that if you need that control and comfort and you're okay with it and you have a healthy relationship with it, that's okay too. But having, for anyone out there that is struggling, you're not alone. It's, t- it's much more common than you think. And there is another alternative.
3: There's another way.
1: Thank you, Maddie. So coming to talking about body acceptance. So there's a couple of terms that I've heard out there in the world. So body and help help me and others to understand this, please. Body acceptance, there's body image, there's body positivity. How do you navigate those? And for you, what's the distinction between, say, body acceptance and body positivity and why is it important For us to understand
2: this, big question. No, (laughs) love it, love it, love it. And (laughs) um, so, body image is defined as what, how, in your brain you see your body. Okay. So, knowing that we can use mirrors and all of those sorts of things, but. the way that you view your body in the world is going to be different to the way that others see your body in the world. But your body image is the relationship you have of what you believe you look like. Body acceptance. um, Actually, I'm going to go body positivity first. Okay. Body positivity is probably, it's probably a term that was used a, um, a little while ago. Um, in terms of it's probably more of the older term that we used to use around feeling really positive about your body image. So instead of waking up in the morning and feeling really negative about your body image, there would often be body positivity affirmations with things like, I am beautiful, I am amazing, I am... I love my beautiful long hair, or I love my blue eyes, or using those sorts of things and having a positive relationship to your body. Body acceptance is more of the, I guess, newer term that we use, and it's centered around ex- acknowledging and accepting your body. But the reason that I talk a lot about body acceptance is because it neutralizes the terminology around your body and therefore instead of saying I have a beautiful body and placing beauty as a sign of worthiness on your body it's saying I have a body and this is how it shows up in the world and I am worthy and deserving of being here no matter what my body looks like. And it's a very nuanced dis- distinction, but it is so freeing in that I you know, I like to use the example of ears or arms, or that, you know, I don't really have any um opinion about my ears. They're just there. They, you know, I could be very body positive about them and saying that they help me listen. Um, I'm very like I'm grateful for being able to hear, but I can also be very neutral about it in that I have ears and they allow me to hear things. And that's just what they do. Mm.
3: Yeah.
2: That's brilliant.
1: It's so good to understand. Thank you thank for explaining no, that. You. And what do you see? in the mums who come to work with you, what do you most commonly see in their concerns or the things they're struggling with around accepting their body post-children?
2: Definitely, and particularly at various different stages. Of, okay. So it can be our particularly as women, and we have a cycle. So our weight will fluctuate during our cycle, depending on which hormones are highest in our body. Mm. And when you have that that acceptance there of your body and the fact that there are times in the month that you might be a bit puffier than others, and that's because you're just, you're holding a bit more fluid and that's Okay. Mm. And there I find particularly post-birth, there it unlocks a lot of other stuff around um, motherhood and I think someone's journey of where they're at with motherhood. So using myself as an example, I I really struggled in after having my son with feeling like I was a good enough parent and feeling as if I was enough full stop. So I used my weight as a control mechanism of being like, well, if I look perfect, then everyone will think that I'm doing a wonderful job.
3: Yep.
2: And I think that there was an element of still wanting to be fun and youthful and I wanted to be seen as, you know, a cool mum. And that I had it all together and that I was coping with motherhood. I think that's another big thing is seeing weight fluctuations as a way of whether or not you're coping or not. Um, mm, and point, yeah. Yeah, and I particularly see it as well. So not only post-motherhood, uh, uh, like post-pregnancy, but um, when Older women are going through the transition of um, perimenopause because their weight is changing. There is a certain resistance to aging.
3: Yep.
2: Um, And I also don't get me wrong. I have a firm belief, and I always say this is that goddesses never age. But I also, as a society, we and as a culture, we have. Being always told that women's worth is based on how beautiful they are and reproduction. So why why wouldn't women going through that stage where their their body is showing signs of aging? It's not seen as the gift that it is. It's seen as well. I'm aging and this is really crappy. This is really hard to do deal with. And often there are changes in weight. In that postmenopausal stage, because the hormones just you your testosterone levels bottom out, and therefore there's certain weight changes that go on. Um and so I apologize for my very long answer. <laughs> Being that yeah, our bodies change at all sorts of times and having a more neutral and accepting fact of, well, no, how do I feel in my body versus what does my body look like?
1: Mm, I love that distinction. That's mm. that's fantastic. And what this conversation has highlighted to me, Maddie, that there is there is so much more to just saying to ourselves, I need to lose some weight and then I'll feel better. And I feel like quite often in motherhood, that's as far as it goes because we, and not to downplay people's situations or, you know, intelligence or anything like that, but just meaning sometimes we can feel so at our capacity and yeah. at our limit in what we're handling in everyday life that that may be as far as our thinking extends in terms of I'm not happy with my body, I just need to lose weight. Um, and, what it, what this conversation has highlighted to me is that there's so many nuances and there's and there's so much more we can educate ourselves with to do with our relationship with our body with health with food with our understanding of ourselves uh, in order to inform the way we approach this definitely
2: so that we can feel good and know and- our worth Definitely. And I think as well, you've really hit the nail on the head there in there's lots of other aspects of, you know, you're right. We do often pretty well put everything can be fixed with weight loss and it's, you know, oh, I'm really tired. Well, you know, if I I just need to lose some weight and I'll, I'll feel better or i'm feeling really lethargic and i don't i'm not as good as playing with the kids as i normally am oh well i just need to lose some weight or even you know we have this very um ingrained view of i think often mums blame themselves or feel like they're being too lazy or they're not playing with their kids enough or they're not doing enough and there's that blame of oh well if I if you know if I had more energy or if I and that can quickly turn into if I lost weight I would have more energy and I would be a better mum, mm.
1: or I I feel guilty that I just ate that piece of cake and if I was more in control and if I was better I wouldn't eat that piece of cake and then that, that yeah. would make me a better person and a better mum. The if, list goes on and and mum. Yeah. And in my work as a coach with mums, mum guilt is just up there as one of the highest things that we talk about. Um, and absolutely, it crosses over into physical and mental well-being. And I heard someone say, a health coach I worked with said, "the the most intimate relationship you can have is what you put into your body." Um, and so it really opened up a whole new world for me in terms of thinking about what I'm putting into my body, not just to lose weight or not just to manage my weight, but in terms of being my best self. Um, yeah. But also, as you say, eating what feels good to me. Yeah. Um, so, oh, gosh, we, we there's so much to chat about, Maddie. This has been an amazing conversation and um, I have really appreciated, as will our listeners, appreciated your honesty and your vulnerability. Um, and you 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 express the same vulnerability on your Instagram page if people want to go and look you up. it's It's beautiful how you express yourself on there with your with the vulnerability that you share. I loved what you said. your weight is not your worth. That's going to stick with me. And I think that's such an important message. Is there anything else you'd like
2: to share to um, finish this off, Maddie? No, I just am very grateful for being here. and um, I uh, thank you so much, and thank you to anyone listening and just remembering that there is support out there um, for all different things, and that you're not alone, and that i I wish that I had taken the step of asking for help a lot sooner than what mm-hmm. I did. So just talking to someone can be. Uh, life-changing moment
3: yeah
1: that's that's so true Maddie we'll and we'll link we'll put the links for people to find you in the show notes so that if anyone is feeling like they need support they can reach out to you you're a um, you're a beautiful soul Maddie thank you so
2: much for being here thank you so much for having me thank you Thank
0: you for listening to the Me Plus Motherhood podcast. If you've loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share with other mothers. If you are on the journey of motherhood, ready to reconnect with who you are, find your spark again and shine your light bright, head on over to benitabench.com or my handle is at BonitaBench on Instagram and Facebook to connect with me there. See you in the next episode.